Hello there and welcome to the podcast. It's John Markar here and I thought I'd just jump in with a very quick but very important message that I wanted to share with you before you delve into this episode of the Driven Chat podcast. This podcast, the Driven Chat podcast, has now come to an end. But don't worry, I'm not going to stop you from listening to this episode or from catching up with the 185 episodes that we've recorded in this format. I just wanted to let you know that if you're looking for our new episodes recorded after December 2023, then you'll need to seek out our new podcast, The Driven Podcast. You can find The Driven Podcast in all the usual podcast platforms, including, chances are, the one that you're listening to this one on right now. So please do enjoy this episode, share it with a friend by all means. But when it's done, don't forget to search for the new podcast, The Driven Podcast, and subscribe to the new format to hear the new stuff. To make life easy, head on over to the Driven website via driven.site. There you will find links through to the new podcast, including links to your preferred podcast platform. And hey, whilst you're there, why not check out everything else we do, including hand-picked automotive news stories, car and bike reviews, video features, and even more. For now, though, I'll let you enjoy this episode. And I will remind you again at the end of the episode, but for the future reference, this message is approximately 1 minute and 30 seconds long. That's six clicks on the 15-second skip button. Enjoy. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. Well, hello. Welcome to this week's Driven Chat podcast. We are once again recording at our favourite location in the entire world. We are at Caffeine and Machine on what is, I think, the hottest day any of us have ever experienced in the United Kingdom. Fortunately, we are in our very much air-conditioned truck parked up in the car park of the grounds here. Now, this is going to be quite an interesting episode. You are listening right now, just in case you hadn't guessed already, to the voice of John Marker. Hello. Good to have you here. And, as ever, I'm joined by my... Wonderful colleague. I tried to think of a nice anecdote <laughs> to bring you in there. I just couldn't think of one, Amy. I'm sorry. I wonderful was... colleague is all you're getting. Wonderful colleague. It sounds like we work in an office all the time. This is very much we not do. an office <laughs> job. <laughs> we do sometimes work in an office, but not very often. So yes, Amy Shaw Hello. is here with me. Hello, Amy. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm, I'm quite warm because, um, yeah, I'm, I'm without many vehicles at the moment. So I'm riding around on a motorcycle, which means I'm also trying to be quite safe and got lots of clothing on all the time which means I'm very very warm when I'm journeying anywhere so I arrived somewhere not particularly nice well you said that you'd lend me some some riding gear I'm, some, I'm, some I've got gear. some I've got some summer riding gear we'll get to that we'll get to that that's an off podcast conversation but we'll get there I promise I promise now we're also joined by a voice that's joined us I'm trying to think now, Ant. Is it two, three times previously? Three times, but we only ended up recording one podcast. Is, is, yes, that's I, correct. I tend to swear a lot, a lot and, um, <laughs> and say things that I probably shouldn't say in public. Yeah. Uh, so that's the voice of Ant Partridge, who has joined us for the um, maybe tenth time. The only, <laughs> amazingly, only the second audio recording that we've done. Um, now, Amy, I'm very glad that you've turned up on a bike today. Ant, as everyone listening will probably know, if they know about you, you are very 
known for your interest in bikes and your working field. And we have a very special guest joining us this week who is also in that field. So it is a very much a two-wheeled version of what we do this week. You'll notice there is no Andy J with us this week. It is just myself, it is Amy, and it is Ant, and our special guest is... Jody Milhouse, otherwise known as Thornton 100 Motorcycles. Just a Thornton 100. <laughs> How are you, Jody? I'm great, thank you. Yeah, again, very much like Amy, absolutely roasting. I rode here and it must be 32 degrees out yeah. and it's like riding through an oven. <laughs> it is, it is. And I rode my bike here, the world's fastest bobber, and I'm joined by my brother as well, who's uh, outside, I'm sure, sunning himself uh, with a, uh, with a uh, one of our supercharged speed triple RS triumphs as well. So, uh, yeah, very enjoyable ride, but a very, very hot one in. So I'm very, very yeah. pleased to be in your air conditioning. If anybody there. wants to know how it feels, because obviously opening an oven, maybe, it's kind of how it feels. But literally, if you put a hairdryer on full wag in front of your face, that is like it is. That's exactly it. Honestly, it's like riding through just hot air and See, it's, I'm, uh, I'm sorry i gotta stop all you guys you, you <laughs> brits all you do is complain about the weather right uh, first it's it's too cold and it's too wet and now it's sunny and beautiful and it oh it's too hot uh, this is horrible we're, melting, Can't we're not used to it in, tomorrow it's gonna be chucking it down in horrible rain and you guys are gonna be ah oh, damn Wait for the rain again. <laughs> you can't you can't be happy with weather no you're right you're this right is lovely it's lovely i always i always kind of question whether or not we should refer to weather when doing these podcasts because this so we're recording this today on the 20th of june uh, now chances are by the time this goes out it might be in a few weeks from now as you say and it probably is going to be pouring with rain it might be snowing for all we know because it's britain <laughs> and we'll all look back on that two or three days of hot weather and go oh yeah well it wasn't that bad surely but you're right yeah we are the world champion complainers when it comes to weather so it's, sorry about that it's very strange you've spent a lot of your life in very hot and sunny spain riding on motorcycles yeah so, so this is this for me is this is this is joyous well this is this is how life should be every day yeah and yet you chose to live here so i didn't more for me. I, didn't. <laughs> I came here for four months to do a tv show and four and a half years later, I'm still, You're still here. here. You're still here. But Immigration riding, haven't caught up with you yet. <laughs> riding motorcycles, you can, you can, like, I would ride a motorcycle any weather other than, I think, icy, snowy. But would, I don't know, would you ride in the snow and ice? Um, no. I've no. ridden in the snow and have ice. You? I've I ridden have you? My favorite time riding in snow and ice is actually when I, before I passed my driving license test, and uh, I actually had a Honda C90. And I rode it to college every day, and I rode it in the snow and the ice, and I rigged up some bodged-up heated grips, grips as well. But that thing was great because it was rev and go. You could ride along with both feet on the floor yeah, yeah. in the snow and basically have it sideways the whole yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. And it was so much fun. It had knobbly tyres on. I had a cup holder for my coffee as well in the morning. So honestly, it was great. It had the big granny screen on as well. And had a top box, and it had a sticker on it. It said, don't follow me. You won't make it. And that was, uh, <laughs> that, that was true. And, uh, in the snow, it was a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, I came off it a fair few times. But... I've a, yeah, a bit of experience in riding in the, the very wet and, and a lot of off-road riding experience as well. So I'm kind of comfortable with it. But like you say, that the ice on the road, black ice, is yeah. is not a joke. Um, my brother will tell you, actually, he um, he stacked it pretty hard on his way to college once with the black ice. So, oh. uh, yeah, it's not one to mess with. But, yeah, if you're ready for it and you're expecting it, then I, I don't mind it personally. <laughs> I'm just, yeah, I'm just, I, I, this is my weather. I, like, if it's <laughs> raining, I'm like... I'll, I'm fine. I'll take the car. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? yeah. In Spain, I used to ride in the rain because I was just like, you know, we didn't have much of it. It was kind of like a novelty. You were like, you put my sailing gear on and literally get on my bike and go to work. But, you know, here, I just like, there's there's no need. If it's just always wet, I'm just like, 
I don't like getting wet, I'm, putting I'm all my gear that. on, taking my gear off all wet and then drying it out, yeah. finding a place to, nah. Unless we're at fun. Goodwood, in which case we well, have Yeah, to then, then we ride up the hill <laughs> in mud <laughs> and wet. And I got to the top, my bike's got no mud guards on it yet. We're uh, They're in development. Um, I think I have a photograph of the back of you <laughs> because you've just got this massive brown stripe of mud so, all so the way up to your helmet. There was two stripes up my back that weekend. One was just brown stripes and it was from the wet and the rain, I promise you. Um, and the other one was black rubber from all the burnouts that I've been doing as well so they just stuck up my back so uh, yeah I've been picking it off the back of that bike for a few days now and uh, yeah good times though we got a lot of good content from it but like you say when you're at the bottom of the hill at Goodwood and you, uh, you, you're going to ride up it it rains it rains you know you don't often get an opportunity to do that so. and, and, and also it's not like they give you it's, you don't get there you don't say hey you come, if you come at like 7 in the morning you can have a couple runs up the hill the site the lap yeah. you, you just literally go up blind just go up I'm like didn't know where the, whether there's a left or a right. I literally uh, came to the end of the first. It's like the second straight because that straight's yeah. not actual straight. No, it's, it's straight. It's straight and then there's a left, left kink. Yeah. And then another straight and yeah. then a big left. Yeah. And that that second left is off camber oh. and it's blind. You can't see it. So I was I I opened the throttle. I'm like, oh, it's dry. Yeah. So I pinned it a little bit on the on that BMW M thousand RR. I was like. Okay, and then all of a sudden there's a corner there, and it was in the wet, and I had to follow the dry line because I think I'm going to tip in. I'm <laughs> not going to tip. I'm not going to tip in in that wet, muddy bit. I'm going to go over in this dry line, and so it took me off the apex of the corner. I was like, I wasn't. Gonna, I was like, oh, I can't not make this corner. <laughs> so, not a good one. And I'm like, so tipped in, and I'm like, woo. So I got up, and I think I'll take it easy from here. I think they call that one. Correct me if I'm on Mollicom Corner. And it's a, like an, a left-hander, and it's a, and it's off camber, and uh, there's a video of me riding up in the wet mm. on my bobber, and uh, one the, someone in the crowd filmed it, and I came round it about fourth gear and just pinned it because it, it's a left and it's a straight, and I'm just Wah! bouncing off the limiter and spinning. But that up. must be great to drift with oh, something like brilliant. that. It's so you long, know I mean? you know. It's so long. It's mm. brilliant. It's so much fun. But um, the tires are pretty sticky on it actually. But um, but like you say, going up that uh, the hill, um, the first time I, I was sat on the line, literally launch control. Off I go, straight down that straight. I get to that first corner, and it's so narrow, and it's so tight, and it's a yeah, right-hander, yeah, yeah. and it's like and it's sort of a right, a straight, and then a right again, and then he's like, so he got onto that straight, and it really caught me out, and I was into it, wobbling around, like, oh, <laughs> like back was twitching, and, that. and I'm on this bobber, like this wide-wheel bobber, and it's just so sketchy, and I kind of got around that corner, and like I said, only talk, I think I did six runs that weekend, and my last run, everyone had gone home for the football anyway, so there was no yeah. one watching, mm -hmm. and that was my best run. <laughs> <laughs> and that was... On the on the start line, bouncing off the limiter, flames, burnouts, launch control, straight off that straight, wheelie in, come and I knew the track by this point, yeah, so yeah, I was yeah. I was on it, and I was like literally coming into dry that, coming into that corner. Sunday, so like you say, if you go, oh, there's like that first straight, there's a slight left under the bridge, and then there's it sort of goes right and then left again, like you say, at Mollicom yeah. Corner. That I think it's called Mollicom Corner, and um, I literally there's a video of me coming into it, full lot like on the brakes, flat out, like literally back ends like twitching, and then off to the left and then straight up that hill spitting flames and what an experience on that bike it was so much fun it still gives me goosebumps now thinking about it and on a bike that you've made that I made you've yeah crafted it with your hands and I think that's probably probably a good time to talk about what you do because yeah. that's going to feed in quite nicely so Thornton 100 motorcycles for anyone that's listening at home thinking I might have heard of the brand yeah, for me it's one that's been around on Instagram for a long time and I've seen you've been doing some awesome content on YouTube as well why don't you give us an overview of the brand itself how it started what got you into it and what's got you here arriving on what is looking like quite a special bike? It is a special bike. That's my baby. <laughs> <laughs> so Thornton 100. Thornton 100 is an interesting one. So I'm, um, 
I'm 25 now. Um, I know I don't look it. I had a hard paper around it. <laughs> <laughs> a hard five years. Um, so Thornton 100 started. I was a disgruntled apprentice, really, and I sort of left. Um, I left there on very bad terms. I got I got a lot of fines and tuition fees because I got signed contracts this and the other. And I, I started the company um, with a lot of negative equity and uh, had a credit card with a £2,000 limit. And I had a... Uh, and I had a, uh, well, it's essentially, it was a back of a lorry, but it was essentially a shipping container right. and one ramp and a load of tools that I just sort of had because it was my hobby, playing with motorbikes in yeah. the evening. And uh, when I left there, I said, right, I'm going to uh, just go and build some bikes because I knew I didn't, I didn't, I knew I wanted to go into another engineering job. Yeah. So were you an apprentice in the world of motorcycles? In, no, I was an apprentice, mechanical engineering apprentice. Okay. So I actually used to build cherry pickers, um, right, stuff right. like that. So I, uh, but my my sort of my my forte was production engineering. So lean production engineering, five S, that sort of stuff, yeah. making time and motion studies, making things run efficiently. Yeah. Um, and uh, that was what I loved doing and making things, making these machines really run, the, the production lines run really uh, smoothly. So cool. that's sort of where I come from, and then. That sort of production, uh, the mechanical engineering side of things has obviously helped has helped massively into into going to what I do now, which is obviously build custom motorcycles. So um, I'm very much tied in with the Triumph brand. I'm a Triumph ambassador as well, um, and we do a lot together. And uh, yeah, I've only been working with Triumph for the last couple of years. So when I was initially started, I was building. 300, 400 pound bikes and selling them for 1,500 quid, 2,000 pounds. And I was selling them and flipping them and flipping them and flipping them. And I kind of built up, built up enough money to uh, to buy my first sort of Triumph. And I, I wanted to be working with Triumph and I saved up all this money and I bought a brand new Triumph Bobber and I did a bit with it and uh, sold it. And then I bought another one and I did two and uh, I did two next to each other. And this was every last little penny that I had mm-hmm. in the world. Um, I spent about, I think it was about 30 grand. And I bought two Triumph Bobbers and I supercharged both of them. I built them side by side because I'm all about, I'm a massive risk taker. <laughs> um, I'm all about just going all the way in. If it doesn't work, deal with it later. Jump yeah. jump off the cliff and build your wings on the way down, you know. And, uh, <laughs> so um, I built those bikes and I sold one to uh, to, uh, to an actor in um, in, um, in Hollywood called Ryan Pavey. Yeah. And I sold one to the body coach, Joe Wicks. Hmm. And um, after I was introduced to him at Triumph event, and I remember walking into this red carpet Triumph event. I think it was the Vauxhall. Um, it's under the arches as a dealership was opening. And I walked in and my Triumph contact sort of grabbed me and dragged me all the way back. Jody, you've got to come meet these people. Thrust me into this circle, and they went, Jody, this is uh, this everyone. This is Jody. This is the guy I've been telling you about all night." And I was just like, oh, "There, wow. like, it's literally like a rabbit in the headlights. Like, <laughs> who are these people? Like, and I'm just there. I'm like, right, <laughs> glass of wine, please. Yes, please. <laughs> um, and I just started talking, and uh, I think um, it was an interesting one because that was the night that I met Joe Wicks. Uh, mm-hmm. He came up to me. He said, uh, "I'm Joe Wicks, the body coach, and uh, you might know. You know, I'm Joe Wicks. You might know me as a body coach." And I was like, "Oh yeah, I slightly recognise." I said, "My brother's got your book. It's been sat on the top of the microwave for months." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think he, he kind of gelled after that because I didn't, yeah. I didn't know who he was. I didn't kind didn't of do a fanboy. Didn't fanboy. I yeah. don't really fanboy over anyone really because no. um, they're all just normal people. There's an interesting story. I'll probably get onto that later about Goodwood and where I met all these boys on the start line and. Um, but yeah, I just didn't fanboy, and we we met up afterwards, and we had a test ride on um on the uh, on the supercharged bobber, and he, and he bought it. And uh, Joe Wicks was an interesting one, and I hate to keep, mm. but he was he very much brought Thornton Hundred forward so far because yeah. I try and refer to me as uh, well. Everyone was trying to give him a bike. Ducati trying to give him a of bike. Course, Harley trying yeah. to give him a bike. He, everyone wants to see him riding their bikes, and nobody could sell him a bike. And uh, I sold him four bikes in a year, wow. and. Uh, <laughs> Triumph, I remember my, my Triumph contacts of Triumph, and he said, Jody, oh, he's like, I don't know how you've done it. He said, uh, you've sold a bike to the man that can't be sold to, you know? Mm. <laughs> and I said, I don't think I sold anything. I just think I just spoke about how passionate I am about my bikes. Perfect. And when I run around them and I'm, 
I'm running around, I get so excited and I start slurring my words because I'm talking so fast and I start shaking because I'm getting yeah. excited about doing this and doing that. And it just kind of, it was, nat- it was just a natural thing, you know. So when I when I say about selling my bikes and, uh, and, and doing what we do now, which is building, buying brand new bikes and um, building them as commissions and then and then moving on to the customers is I just get the customer in and I just talk to them about their bike that's and nice. what it could be and, and what we could do to it really and get excited about it and I think that's what people like and uh, yeah so that was uh, yeah five years ago I started in a shipping container and now we've got I've got four staff there's five of us now um, I've got me got my older brother who's a mechanic I've got my uh, uh, my guy Alex who's my CAD designer I have a guy that literally does marketing uh, mm. hence why I'm here yep. and, uh, <laughs> and, and Connor and, uh, and we have Stevie who does literally follows me around with the camera all day long um, so yeah we're, uh, we're we're growing at a rapid rate um, the business is int- interestingly taking another turn going from motorbike uh, builds to parts um, we're sort of moving awesome. into parts and merch yeah. and that kind of thing and that side of the business is growing rapidly um, and we're in we're operating about about 900 square feet right now um and we're moving into just over 4000 square feet hopefully by the end wow. of the year which is a fully fully custom made kind of um premises for us so we'll nice. have um showroom areas we'll have meeting rooms uh, sales rooms lots of sales sort of a sales suite with big touch screens and renders and people that people literally see their bike and a big 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 office there's a four of us uh there's four of us in an office now which is half the size i don't recall the size of this little uh, wow. truck and uh, <laughs> it's horrendous now, now, <laughs> tell me because i want to take you back to that moment of being thrust into that circle of people you've got to speak to these people you've got to meet these people yeah i've spoken about this many times i know that amy's been very vocal about this before i don't know how you where you sit with this ant but this wonderful term called imposter syndrome mm-hmm. which i've suffered from and still, I, I still do at certain points. I find myself in situations where I think, oh, I should not be here, surely. <laughs> Somebody, something's happened. I've, t- I've picked a wrong route somewhere that's yeah. got me in front that of these people. That explains my whole life. Not <laughs> <laughs> yeah. from day one. Exactly. <laughs> now, I mean, you might you might tell me now, Jody. No, I always thought I was going to be in that situation. It no, was always going to be perfect. Honestly, I was I was an apprentice. I was a nobody. You know, yeah. I was just this guy that got his head down and worked hard. You know, and yeah. I've always done that. We uh, we don't. I don't really come from an affluent background at all. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, we. I, I've only just last week exchanged on my new house. It was my first house, wow. so I'm very excited about that. Um, <laughs> thank you. And uh, yeah, so I still live at home with my mum. So you know, there's that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, Getting thrust into that circle, like you say, was walking in red carpet, yeah, champagne, celebrities everywhere, faces that I know from online, and I'm just kind of walking around like, okay. But I, I, I like you say, I don't really fanboy about about mm. people, and I don't really. If you're just a nice person, then I don't, exactly. I don't really care. Um, and like you say, I think it's when you meet somebody that talks with passion about something they have an interest in. Yeah, you just buy into it, and that yeah. could be somebody that's passionate about tea. They could be you know, yeah. anything. Yeah, you can't you speak help to somebody it, with passion, and you're like. You invest in that. You're like, oh, maybe I do love tea and as well. Yeah. The, minute, <laughs> the minute you talk to somebody like yourself that you think you were passionate about the thing I'm passionate about, and then suddenly you think, oh, I want to work with you on a project. Yeah, and it yeah. must be so wonderful Absolutely. for you to have all these people come to you and be like, I'm really excited. And you're like, me too. Yeah, me Let's too, see what yeah. We can and honestly, we just get excited in a ball of excitement and then things just go wild. And um, I'm lucky enough to have these sort of celebrity clients and, and the more affluent clients that can afford to sort of allow me to run wild with my imagination, you know, because yeah. before when I was building bikes, I wanted to do so much and I wanted to work with all these different technologies that I could never afford. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. And now it's like, well, if you can afford it, we'll we'll build it, you know, kind of sure. thing. Um, and which is great because um, we can build whatever you want. And if we don't, if I don't know how to do it, I'll sit there and I'll learn it. You know, the okay. YouTube is a wonderful thing. You know, <laughs> I, I, I didn't know how to weld. I didn't know how to paint. I didn't wow. know how to fabricate. I didn't know how to put a motorcycle together. I, the amount of articles I read, I think it was on um, Bikex or 
uh, bikebound.com, I remember reading an article on how to build a cafe racer, you know, and lines on a bike and this and the mm-hmm. other. But I think kind of as you move through and you just do it, you kind of find your own style and you find out what you like and what works for you. You know, I, sure. if someone came to me, well, I don't know, I'd have a go at building anything. But if someone came to me and said, you know, Jody, I want a really <laughs> classic classical cafe racer and I'd be like well it's not really my style and I don't think anyone would come to me for that and yeah. it's an interesting thing because I started building wanted to, that's what I wanted to go into and I actually ended up now I just build brand new brand new triumphs all yeah. day long and uh, which is great because um, they they are not rusted all the bolts you undo come undone no all the bolts trails. come undone no, honestly you lay underneath it you take things off and you don't fill your eyes up with dirt it's great um, it's, so yeah it's uh, it's been a wild journey but then going back to what you said about imposter syndrome you know yeah I get thrust into these wild sort of um, experiences and events that you know being at Goodwood and there's people walking up to me well what I, what I find is the strangest thing is um, is what literally just happened as I walked drove into the car park there a guy mm. came up um, after, excuse me, I forgot his name, bless him. But um, he said, I just saw your story about an hour ago. He said, you're coming here and I just wanted to meet you. <laughs> and That's I'm cool. just, and I just kind of come up and I'm like, it's, it's so strange because I've almost turned into a mini celebrity. You know, I've, we've yeah, got yeah, 100,000 subscribers that, now. Yeah. And, you know, I think we, we're knocking on for 10 million views on the YouTube. And for me, it's a strange thing because I, there's people coming up to me and asking for photos and, yeah, yeah. you know, and yeah. holding babies. No, it's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> Signing chests. No, no, it's not that bad. Yet. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, it's just that's, that, that's what I think is surreal for me is, yeah. is kind of being thrust into almost a mini celebrity type thing. We did an event here not too long ago. And the bad yeah. people that came down and just came to see me was just was just wild because I'm just a business owner and we just build cool stuff and we just have a lot of fun doing it but it's great and I do enjoy it um do you, feel like, the, do you feel like you've still got the same level of it, it being I don't want to keep focusing on the, the term imposter syndrome but do you feel like it's becoming easier to work with as an example or yeah I mean it still I, a bit strange is it obviously my business well my business grew 522 percent in covid um wow. in lockdown um so for me I've, we've kind of come out of lockdown and i i think i went into lockdown with must have had twenty thousand followers on mm. instagram and now we've got like 65 and uh that was due to a lot of what i did i think uh, when when covid hit everyone kind of hunkered down yep. sold all their stuff pulled all their money in and just kind of held tight and sit tight. Sure. And I remember talking to all these other business owners and they said, Jody, this is, this is going to be the end of us. You know, this mm. is going to be the end of the end. And um, <clears throat> I kind of noticed a trend actually initially at lockdown and I was like, my views are through the roof. Everyone's sat at home watching me. Of course. And I took this stance that I need to entertain these people. They are sat there mm-hmm. watching me and the amount of video, the amount of messages I got that said, Jody, keep doing what you're doing. You're saving my life right now. I'm so bored. So yeah, I literally yeah. I took the stance and I said, I remember going on the camera and going, guys, everyone's gone home. Everyone's in lockdown, but I'm on my own. You know, I, I had no employees at this time. This was a year ago or a year yep, and a bit yep. ago, whatever it was. And I had no employees. I was on my own. I said, guys, I'm going to entertain you. Watch this. And that's when I built the Speed Triple RS and that's when I built the world's fastest bobber. And um, so for me to kind of come out of lockdown and having, because I haven't been to an events really in lockdown and um kind of come out of it almost being thrust into this almost celebrity style thing imposter syndrome going back to what you're saying is is strange because it's it's almost for me it's out of nowhere because we're coming out and then all of a sudden everyone knows who I am <laughs> you know I actually got spotted walking down Regent Street and I was just in civilian clothes <laughs> I wasn't even wearing anything some guys stopped me and said can I have a photo and uh, yeah it was it's, it's interesting really I don't think and I, I think it will get I, I mean try walking around with Joe Wicks when you walk yeah, around with Joe Wicks I'm his personal photographer <laughs> because it's like oh can we have a photo Jody do you mind taking the photo and it's like yeah. oh god you know okay <laughs> it's really cool because I've also walked around 
around with Joe Wicks. He gets stopped every yep. five minutes probably, and yep. you just go through an airport. But at the same time, it's it's amazing to hear because he's he. I remember him talking to me because we we met at a bike event as well, and he talked about you, and he was like, oh, I met this guy called Jody, and yeah. you know, he just built these bikes. He's he's amazing, and the, the passion <laughs> that I think your builds has installed into him, and what you must do for all of your other customers as well, yep. is is infectious. I mean, when people come to you with their, with, do they come to you with their own bike and say, I have got this bike and I want you to do, I don't know what to, or do they have a good idea? Do you buy the bike in? How does the process work? So, um, so for me, the process works really, um, we, we, I used to do people's bikes. Um, so what, what happens now is if someone wants something, usually I'll just get them in and talk to them. What are you going to use it for? You know, what yeah. do you want to go and do a, a tour down south of south of France because if you do then a bob is probably not the right thing mm. for you you know we might move you onto a scrambler or something like that and some people want really wild stuff and some people don't and um so I'll get one ask what they use it for and once we've established what they're going to use it for and we've we've established they want a bobber or a street triple or a one t120 or a bobber um, uh, a speed or a scrambler or something like that all in the triumph range um then I go and we go and buy the brand new bike um, the reason being is we know exactly where the bike's been. You know, some people come to me and we go, oh, my bike's only got 500 miles. And I'm like, well, that's 500 miles. I don't know what you've done with it. Plus, you've got to clean 500 miles off 500 the bike. Miles worth yeah. of dirt. There's nothing <laughs> worse than stripping a bike down to build a bike. And then you have to fix all the little things. Yeah. And then you're building a brand new, you can't give a guy a brand new bike yeah. with brand new paint and brand yeah. new lovely billet parts and new brakes. And, and then it's still got a, Skanky looking, skanky, you know something. What I mean? yeah. yeah, and you know and, I mean? and you'd be surprised how far a bike can deteriorate if it's not looked after. But um, yeah, so someone comes up, we we establish it. They come to me and we we buy the bike and basically I build it. And what it is is me and my customers build up such a rapport um, that it's not just only like Joe that kind of guns that goes around and saying how much he loves the process of building a bike. It's all of my customers because it's every day. It's the stories. It's the it's the personal videos that I'm sending them on. Um, on WhatsApp, backwards and forwards. Mm. Do you like this? Do you like that? Like, I'm going I'm to do it like this. What do you reckon kind of thing? And for them, it's it's addictive. And, you know, it's like another person who's absolutely addicted. There's a guy that, um, a very well-known entrepreneur, um, one of the youngest billionaires in the UK, Ben Francis, who owns Gymshark. And um, course, yeah. he came to me actually probably three years ago now when I really started. I, he bought it. That was the very first brand new bike that I ever worked on. Yeah. Um, even before the bobber that I bought, and uh, it was a Thruxton R, and uh, he came to me and just said, build it, you know, and me and him built such a good relationship, and I remember giving a huge discount to just say, <laughs> at the time, for me it was anyway, um, to just say, Ben, give me some of your time. I just want your knowledge, you know, and Ben yeah, was only a yeah. few years older than me at the time, but I think Ben was 25 or 26, and I was just only barely 20, wow. you know, um, barely 21, 22, um, and... Um, I just remember saying, give me some of your time. I just sat there with a notepad and I sat there with uh, Ben and I sat there with uh, Noel Mack, the uh, chief brand officer. And um, we just, I just spoke it out. I said, and I remember he sat there and he went, Jody, he said, I really love what you do. He said, you're the best of a bad bunch. Here's where you're going wrong. And I just, I, I sat there like a sponge and I just listened yeah. to it. And that's what I've done, not only with Ben um, and, and what they have, because he's just a business owner, you know, he makes gym clothes, got nothing to do with, I, you know, I sat there with Joe and, Joe, Joe's stance and it was Jody you're building these fantastic bikes but nobody knows how you do it and nobody knows who you are mm. go on camera and, I, 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 and Joe will tell you this as well is, uh, is I left his house and I drove straight to Richmond I was picking up Brandy um, I left his house in Richmond uh, I drove straight back to Triumph Wellingborough and I got out of the van and um, within that journey I'd been thinking about it and I got out and I turned my phone on flipped the camera around and just started talking Brilliant. Um, and it was from that moment where I was like 
right, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm, I was so uncomfortable on camera. There's a video actually of me um, at the Bike Shed show a few years ago. I built a Ducati Panigale 1299 and uh, there's so many, um, uh, <laughs> you know, stutters and stumbles. And now I just kind of roll through it and it's kind of one take. Yeah. But I've just kind of got a lot more comfortable on camera now. But um, so the reason I'm on camera so much is, is very much down to Joe. And um, he was like, build a personality online and yeah. front the, put your face at the front of the business and you'll, you'll do well because it's, it's great. Everyone gets to see a polished thing, but nobody mm. gets to see you. Nobody gets to see what goes behind in the background. Absolutely. And also I kind of put all my failures there as well. You mm. know, like that bike sat out there, the world's fastest bobber. I blew the engine up and it was fully my mm. fault. I left, I left the oil pump off, you know, disconnected. Uh, and I rode it for like five miles. And this was a literally, I think it was on the, on the Wednesday that I blew it up and uh, we were unveiling it on Sunday. Oh. And uh, I documented the whole process. If you go on my profile, you'll be able to see a little um, story highlight. It says WFB engine. And that was literally me going, guys, I messed up. <laughs> <laughs> I messed up. I'm going to rebuild this engine. Watch me do it. And there's a, there's literally a story of me there till two o'clock in the morning fixing it. And, uh, and so many people just went, you want fair play? Because there's uh sounds a bit saucy out there. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a, uh, there's, uh, you know, cause uh, there's very much this, um, everything is perfect online, you know, and, yeah. um, yeah. everyone, everything that everyone does is, is perfect online. And, and, and it's not, you know, sometimes we get it wrong. Sometimes I blow my engine up and it costs me thousands of pounds to fix course, it. Yeah. Cause it, and I fully hold my hands up to that. Sometimes I design a part wrong and it's, it doesn't work and we have to do it again and, and again and again and, and, and get it right. You know, sometimes we'll have five or six iterations or prototypes of a part before we get it right. And I'll show you what we're doing on each one and what's different and what's wrong. And that's kind of as well what the customer gets involved in because they're waiting for their bike and everything that goes wrong is another delay. Absolutely. But it's another part of the journey as to what, when we're building their bike. So. Got it. And I think that's the thing. The, 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 the credit to you, Jodie, here is obviously the ability to pick up that camera for the first time, stutters and all, and, you know, yep. failures and ums and ahs and things like that. But it's a true personality. It's yep. what the people want to see. Yep. And likewise with the failures, Nobody wants to hear, oh, yeah, you know, it was easy. I just build bikes and it's always a success and it's great because, firstly, nobody's going to believe you. Yeah. And what do you mean? I, I, I never had <laughs> I was going to come wrong with the bike. It's always been gravy with me. Always. <laughs> of course, the thing is, it's, it's such a creative process. And in the same way as taking photos for Amy is a creative process, audio editing can be a creative process, video creation, painting, anything that involves something that is relies on your creative self is a true reflection of your own personality yeah. so why wouldn't you show that personality absolutely you know and i think um my personality has really kind of come through on camera and i you know i'm the same person at home that i am here you know it's just and it's easy to be that because it's just it's it just natural absolutely. and uh all i had to get used to was just talking to a lens you know because yeah. it's where you're not looking at someone's eyes when you're when you're talking to them yeah. you're looking into this black hole <laughs> and there's nothing you know and it's like you're trying to be almost build a rapport and talk people through and that was an, an interesting try not to swear yeah try not to swear, <laughs> try not to swear too much <laughs> there's a there's a funny one because uh, there's a, there, I actually used to work with a guy um, uh, who was my cameraman before I had a full time cameraman and uh, he when I when I um, when we sort of went our separate ways and it was completely amicable I just it was time for us to split yeah. um, he was doing full time stuff and he sent me a um, he sent me a uh, a montage of every swear word that I'd ever done <laughs> and it was about it was about two minutes of me of just beeps <laughs> which is great me tell me talking about how good things were or how bad things were or how it went wrong and you know and it was just a full two minute montage of swearing <laughs> but um, that just means you're passionate right you it know? means it's passionate and there's another I think I'm sure there's a video somewhere of Stephen Fry talking about swearing, and it's brilliant. But they, it, whether it's in the same video that I'm thinking of, but there's somewhere along the line Stephen Fry announced, and if Stephen Fry tells me anything, I believe him because yeah. you know, <laughs> it's apparently it's a sign of honesty. 
Yeah. Those that are more comfortable swearing in casual conversation. We don't tend to swear in this podcast, but I promise you we're all very, on- we're all very honest. Um, apparently, yeah, casual swearing is a sign of honesty because it shows you're, you're more open and mm. you're, you're more kind of foregoing without trying to hide things or hold things Exactly back. that. You know, I, mean, I can talk to a customer and I'll just sit there and walk them through it and I'll get so passionate that the swear words just fly out left, right and centre. But I think they kind of find it funny as well because I'm running around like a mad professor talking about these things that I'm going to do. Yeah. And they kind of, that's how they buy in as well. You know, I'm not, I'm not sat there in front of a billionaire customer you know, all suited and booted and, 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 and talking. Pretending, pretending you don't say four-letter words. All yeah, day long, that's you know it, I mean? you know, and, and, and tend to be this person. I'll run around with holes in my T-shirt because I burnt it with the welder, you know, and I'll just run around <laughs> with helmet hair because I've had the welding hat on all day and run around getting excited, and I think they just buy into it like that, you know, yeah. so I think that's what it's all about, really, and just being open and nice and letting my personality kind of come through, really, and building a personality online is, is kind of helping, really, and definitely people feel it's interesting because people kind of walk up to me and, at events and they kind of they talk to me and go, hi, Jodie, and I'm like... I've never seen this yeah. person before. <laughs> or have I seen this person? Or have before? I seen yeah. this person? Yeah. Got to go and with I'm, the old. Oh gosh, so good to see you. Yeah, exactly that. And it's happened a few times, and I've just kind of try and ride it out. And yeah. uh, it was quite funny. Actually, it happened actually not too long ago, and the boys were behind me, um, and uh, I kind of give it. Get, they kind of came up and said, "Hi, Jody," and I gave it the old, "Oh hi," and they were like, "That was so obvious. You didn't know." You know what? <laughs> <laughs> really bad, but. Um, yeah, so um, so that's yeah, it's an interesting one because people feel like they know you online. When your they personality fl- comes through, people they do feel like you know, they know you, and I've got no idea who they are. And You're I in just, everybody's hand. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. at their leisure. That's yeah. the crucial thing to always point out. Is again, this is something that a lot of people don't realise. We who are often in front of cameras or especially social media, we are viewed at the viewer's leisure, yeah. and that might be sat down after work on the sofa. It might be sat on the toilet. It might be sat on a plane somewhere. At the point of your downtime, as the viewer, you look at who you want to look at. And then suddenly you see that person who's not in your downtime and you go, hey, it's you, the person that I always look at (laughs) when I'm sat on the toilet. (laughs) I hope there's not too many situations of that. (laughs) I'd like to delve, if possible, into the creative process. And I'd I'd be interested in learning about your creative process, Jodie, and what goes uh, the journey from once the client has specified a bike right it's going to be a bobber or a thruxton whatever it's going to be what is your creative process and journey and i'd like to hear because of course we have another bike builder sat in here with us and i'd like to see how your processes compare and if it's completely different because you make quite different products the two of you yeah um so yeah i'd be interested to hear how maybe and if you start it's off because i kind of started i sorry i had to cut no, you go off for it, go for it. Um, i kind of started where you start like i've been building bikes now I was about to swear there. Um, <laughs> about about probably almost twenty years now, um, which is weird because you're twenty five and I'm just sitting across from you. Going, How are you twenty five? Yeah. My daughter's twenty one. <laughs> like I look in the mirror, I'm like I'm I'm, I'm not that old. Um, but uh, but no, like I, I used to build only Harley. I literally back when I started, if it if it was a custom bike, it was only Harley. Anything else was no. It wasn't a custom bike. You yeah. know what I mean? Harley kind of owned that territory. They did. They, they've owned it for a very uh, long time. And they still kind of think they do. You know what I mean? But they, uh, you know what I mean? They, they, we don't be looking at each I other. Don't know, I, I don't know. I just <laughs> you, know, they're, they're, you know, we all know the kind of struggles between the brands. But um, but uh, but Harley kind of owned that for... They did. For, they did. for, for I don't know, 50... Since the Hells Angels, since the 60s, they kind of owned custom bikes, really. And, um, and, and then, you know, it wasn't until I got involved with Yamaha... And I did a yard build, 
um, which kind of brought me out of the, my Harley kind of comfort zone. I could build a Harley with my eyes closed. But, and then, so I built a Yamaha, and then it kind of opened up kind of what I did. And then I was like, this is way better because Yamaha, it's got good brakes. It's got good suspension. All they've got to do is make it look good and you know, make it a bit lighter, mean, make it go around corners. But I can, you know what I mean? All we've got to do is build what the manufacturers can't build. Because the manufacturers have to put indicators on that are certain size. They have to put mirrors on a certain size. They have to put, you know, the brakes that they can afford to put a million brake, you know, and tires, that, you know, that go through all their kind of process. So homologation and then yeah. So, so we be- we get the fun bit of stripping all that off and building the bike that the designer wanted to build in the first place. I think you know what I mean. Exactly if he, that. If he yeah. says, okay, no rules go at it. This is what you got to do. And that's what we build. And then we get to do that. And we get to put all the really lovely parts on. And, and I guess going back into the process, what you ask, um, like before it was it, like, when, like I said, when I was like you, I just stuck with brand. You, you work with Triumph. I used to work with Harleys back in the day. And, but it kind of opened up and, and I was, I was quite happy building kind of that and just sticking to what I was doing. But when it, it got to the point where not that I wasn't, challenging myself because but it was like okay it's another harley it's another harley and then i was like okay well yamaha came along i built a yamaha and then i was like oh well that's cool why don't i build a ducati and then i built a ducati and then it was like and then i'm like you know what i don't want a pencil like a lot of builders i think there's a lot of builders around the world that are kind of build one kind of bike and they're known for that kind of bike and i was like I don't want to be known for the kind of bike I build. I want to be known for the quality of bike I build and, and the finish and the, and the performance and, and the, the, what, what style kind of a, a bike. Not, not so much an aesthetic style, but a, a riding style because I like to ride bikes like an idiot. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I, if, and I think anybody that rides motorcycles, if they tell you that they abide by the speed limits, they're complete liars. <laughs> um, you cannot ride a bike the speed limit. Yeah. Um, there's no, re- there's no re- like look at those bikes. All of those will do. Maybe bar the one Amy's riding, will all do <laughs> close to 200 kilometers an hour, if not, you know, more. Not more, yeah. Especially with the superchargers on there, you got. Yeah. But um, but like uh, so, I kind of I kind of veered off, and I said I just want to. If someone says, hey. Build me a Vincent. Like, I've got a client now that I'm about to start a, a build with a Vincent. I've never built a Vincent before, but it's new territory. for So for me, I kind of, I want to do different bikes. You know, I, like I'm, I'm doing a flat track race bike for myself right now. I've done Enfield for a guy in Canada, and then I've got this Vincent. And the Vincent is just a, literally a motor. I'm going to buy a brand new motor and, and build everything from scratch. And I've never, I've never built a bike from scratch. I always used to build bikes from, like, from a frame, from, or, from a yeah. frame, or from a from a donor bike, and and so this is kind of the, the flat track racer is kind of that, but what I'm doing now with the with the Vince is going to be completely one off, and and the the process has always kind of been di- a bit different. The process process with the clients always the same. They mm-hmm. come in and they've kind of seen what I've done, or they've seen me on TV or on the internet or or whatever, and they've liked a previous bike, but I'll always try to veer a client into. What even if they come in with something that they've their dream bike, and not saying that a lot of people like, unless they've had loads of bikes their whole life and they know and they've raced and they've done all all sorts of things on bikes, then they know exactly what they want. But nine times out of ten, you've got guys with the kind of money that want to spend you know fifty, a hundred grand on a bike. They kind of they've got a collection of bikes. Maybe they ride a bit, but they don't know exactly what things can do on, you can do on a bike and how it handles and they just want kind of an aesthetic look 
and I kind of always push them into the performance side of it. And, you know, how do you, like, like what you said, you know, how do you want to ride the bike? Mm-hmm. Is it just a, a bike you're going to take out on Sundays? Cause then there's no, no need to put, you know, 12 grand Olin front forks on it. You yeah. know, it, it makes yeah. no sense. Or a you know big what tank or you, or know, a big, you need yeah, exactly. passage, you need this, you need you, that. So. You, you know, you're going to do a long ride you're gonna, and kind of figure out how they want to ride the bike. And then, and then I kind of, you know, if they've got some outlandish ideas, sometimes they come to you and they're like, Hey, I want a 300 series back tire. And I want, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, you've got the wrong guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, if that, if that, you're stuck I was going to ask actually, and for both of you, have you ever had a client come in who's come up with an idea that's so far out of your, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to say comfort zone, but it's just not you that you've said, you know what, I'm not your guy. Probably probably 75% of my clients I send away. Wow. wow. I, I, we, yeah. I, I, I don't really, I don't really, I think people come to me and they know what I do. True. I think people yeah. come to me for a style. Um, I have said no. Um, what the, the thing that I say is if it comes out of my workshop, it's going to be a Thornton 100. If we're going to put a stamp on it, it's got to oh, look yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. Some of my customers come to me. Uh, I obviously can't say any names, but they've just, in my eyes, absolutely no taste. Um, <laughs> I like that. Gold, this, they want yeah, you know, yeah. this, yeah. that, and the yeah. other, and it's really gaudy and mm. blingy, and I, I kind of look at it and go, hmm, you know, if I'm going to put Thornton 100 badge on that, that's got it's got to look right. And, yeah, yeah. and it, uh, I think it's a gentle... Persuasion and a, and, a, and, a, and a massaging into a different direction. That yeah. uh, how about this idea? This would be so much better, mm. you know. And that's that's a case of and usually sales they go psychology. Along with that that you is know what really I mean? they kind of um, take that now. Yeah, like I say, you know, that's but, but like I say, that that really is um, that's a, just a case of dealing with your customers, knowing your customers as well. But I think people come to me, they know what they want usually, and they come into us yeah. for Thornton Hundred, and they know it's going to be classy and slick and well built and well finished and. You know, and and that and it kind of works like that, really. But um, can I? Sorry to interrupt. Can I get you? Where do you get your inspiration from when you're creating these things? So it's an interesting one, actually, because we've almost gone down the route of um, a lot of people will come. Like we do a lot of bobbers, we do a lot of wide wheel bobbers, and I've almost built this style that is instantly recognisable as a Thornton Hundred bike. And a lot of people will come to me and go, "I want a Thornton Hundred wide wheel bobber." And it's like, well, okay, great. Well, realistically, that's the same wheels, the same triple clamps, the same seat mount, the same everything that goes into the same ingredients, same base ingredients, and then we'll tweak it. Well, we say we never build the same thing twice. Um, so if it's a different color, if it's, if it's supercharged, if it's got a different style of exhaust, if it's got this and the other. So um, for those types of builds, um, they are the same base bike, same ingredients. The creative process for that, like in terms of actual, the, the outline of the silhouette and the chassis and everything of the bike is the same. Um, and I think um, when we go down this route of something like the bike that I'm building for Joe, Joe, Joe Wicks right now, which is Thruxton RS, is very much um, comes out of my head, you know. And, uh, and I work very closely with Alex, my CAD designer, and I'll scribble something on a bit of paper, a tissue, and I'll cut up a cereal box and I'll go, it should look about about like this, you know, kind of thing, and do it. I'm terrible at drawing as well. Um, and I'll just go, it, uh, even to the point of the the, the, um, the subframe on that Speed Triple RS out there, I just kind of knew I wanted some swooshy swoops. And I just kind of, <laughs> and I just kind of drew this with some swage lines in it. And it wasn't, it didn't even look like a subframe. It was just a crazy line that kind of wrapped around and some swage lines that went up and then faded in. Mm. And then from that, I worked very closely with a CAD designer because I, I can CAD to an extent. Mm-hmm. Um, not like these guys can. These guys are wizards, you it's, know. It's, um, it's, it is wizardry, that and, stuff. And, and I think for me, yeah, it's, um, it's know, know your limits, know what you're good at. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I just kind of drew this kind of doodle of just lines and I said, I 
this has got to be on this part, this has got to be on that part. And I think, yeah, it just comes out of my head, really. I think I'll see, I'll see you can get inspiration from anywhere, really. You can look at a supercar and go, oh, I love how that sort of canard sort of hangs off the side of it, and I love that angle of that. And, and it's just it just amalgamates in your head, and then it just kind of regurgitates itself as this kind of doodle. And then it, the difficult thing is transferring that into a part that looks correct, you know, and sits correctly on the bike, and the lines are right, and... From all the angles, it looks like it looks like it's meant to be there. So that's an interesting process to do. It's it's very much all about communication and having a tight knit team. And my me and my guys, we do a very good job, and we're very close, you know. And we 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 all work very closely together to create what is the Thornton Hundred experience yeah. and brand and, and bikes. How how much research do you do into your client before let's say from the initial phone call point of view do you do a bit of an instagram stalk and see all oh, right this guy's got a collection of 200 classic ferraris is it, is it so that weird? might kind of sway into your design vision or... everyone gets googled <laughs> <laughs> everyone gets who is this person um yeah i mean i think you have to really sure. i think you know because you can get a better understanding of the client you know because i think if you know, you Google them and, they, they, you know, they turn out to be this kind of crazy affluent billionaire, for example, you mm. know, and you, you, not that you take advantage, it's just that you... You, you don't you, put that discount that you thought you'd have to <laughs> give to <laughs> the regular client uh, yeah, yeah. to get them in the door. Well, we don't discount <laughs> anymore. We don't really do that anymore. But um, what 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 it allows me to do is, is again, is, is, and do a bit of stalking online, you know, and, and find out what their style is and then kind of put to them a, almost a, a, a package or a um, like a, a mood ball of something that that you could that is that fits with them you know what i mean because yeah. i could go to them and go right you know you can spend 30 grand on this bike and it would be a nice bike and it would be really nice and you can go out and ride it and it would be a thought 100 and it would be this and the other but if you realize that who they are or what they are and 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 that they they've got money and this is me my business head on now mm-hmm. you know and um you know th- there's a lot more available and that's when i'm allowed to go crazy with my ideas sure. because i can go Oh, you could gold plate this, or you could have a, a crazy supercharger, or we turbocharge it, we build the engine, and we can go to the, the moon with it, you know. And <laughs> I think that's why, um, you know, I think a fair bit of research and background as much as you can um, will we'll help you help me as a business to run the business because at the end of the day, we're trying to make money. You know, yeah, I've yep. got I've got me and four young lads who all want to buy a house, and they've all got we're all basically under twenty five. They've all got car finance, they've all got <laughs> mobile phones and stuff to pay for. So at the end of the day, we all have to make money. Yeah, you course. know, um, so I think that's me with my, my head, my business head on. That's an interesting one because um, I'm not a businessman. I didn't go to business school. You know, I don't come from money. Um, yeah. Understanding money and how to spend it, and you know, which is probably why I'm still quite reckless with it and risk risk taking. <laughs> you know, and just go right, we're doing it. You know, kind of thing, and just do it. And uh, you know, I think that's probably quite good because a lot of people, where a lot of people, just kind of really in i don't seem to have the ability to do that yet so uh, <laughs> with that in mind let's just imagine i don't obviously i don't know much about your your family background or let's say let's say there's a young cousin or a family friend who's maybe 16 17 18 he's coming to you with these ideas i want to do this as a business a similar thing maybe, maybe not building bikes but they might in your opinion might be a bit reckless with money it's a younger version of you perhaps yeah, yeah. are you going to sit there and go do you know what just Go for it, figure it out, see how you get on. Or would you give, if you could advise younger self? If I was going to, well, do you, know, do you know what pushed me over the edge? And it was just one sentence. All I needed um, was, um, obviously, I still live at home now with my mum, hopefully for the next two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> um, what it was for me was I was sat there and I was 20. And I was I was really upset as well. I was literally sat there, head in my hands, and I was just moping around. And I was like, what am I going to do? You know, I've left this apprenticeship kind of thing. And she went, Jodie, start the business. She went, Obviously, I'm fortunate enough to, you know, my my mum, she sort of turned around and said, Jodie, you've got a roof over your head mm-hmm. and I'm going to feed you. And I went, you know what? 
what more, what much more do you need than that? You know, yeah, yeah. You, you're not going to go hungry and you're not going to be cold and homeless. Um, you know, and I think looking back at that, that's really what pushed me over the edge because it was like, do you know what? If I run out of money, if it all goes wrong, you know, as long as I don't get myself into hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of debt and my mum loses her house or whatever, that's more, you know, then then it will be all right. You know, so I think that's what kind of pushed me over the edge. So I think if I was talking to 16-year-old Jolly, I'd just go, just do it. Just get yeah. your head down. But if you're going to do it, you have to commit 110%. Mm-hmm. You absolutely have to be there at 2 and 3 o'clock in the morning when your eyes are burning. You know, you absolutely have to spend all that money on that bike so you get a twitchy bum moment because you don't know if you can afford to do this, anything <laughs> other. You do miss out on nights out. Of you course. know, when I was... When I was an apprentice, I was working. I was working. It was quite a well-paid apprenticeship, and um, I, I used to work at the weekends, uh, the family business as well. And I was hustling on eBay on the side. And I, I had a, um, I had like, I had like a few motorbikes that I'd built, and I had a BMW M5. My M5 was my kind of that was my special treat to nineteen-year-old Jody as this toy, you know. Um, <laughs> was it working so hard. It, it was an E60 with a five. E60, the God. worst financial decision I've How ever made. How much was your insurance <laughs> on a V10 M5 Absolutely disgusting. So that uh, that was my. But but you know, go, going back to talking to nineteen slash twenty-year-old Jody, it was sell your bikes, sell your cars. I didn't have anything, you mm. know, apart from my toolbox and building bikes and this idea that one day I'll be wealthy enough to buy it all back again you know yeah. and um i think uh you know that's that's just what you got to do you know just get your head down but if you're going to do it you've absolutely just got to commit and if you sure. don't commit then if you're not in it if you still think you can go drinking at the weekend with all your mates mm. if you still think that you can afford if, if you've got a car on front you've got you've got a golf gti or whatever you know you're 16 17 18 whatever mm. um you've got to get rid of it it's got to go every song every single last little hundred pound that you've got is got to go into this business and that every little, every little last little inch of you has got to go into it too and if you don't do that then for me i didn't think it would work so that's what i did and that's still what i'm doing now you know and uh so that's the advice i would give really a, a kind of a, a, an entrepreneurial thing really which is an interesting thing because I, I i didn't really class myself as an entrepreneur i just think i just build motorbikes and yeah expect people pay me for it you know that's it and that's what makes it special Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I really yeah. hope that there's uh, there's a fair few people at home listening to this or wherever they are who maybe are at that point in their life. And, and again, you don't need to be a 16, 17-year-old to be at that point in your life. You might have had Absolutely not. a career for 15 20 years already, but always aspired to just take that leap. And I hope that you've maybe turned on a light bulb. Yeah, we turned on a light bulb. I had a uh, podcast with a guy called Teapot One um, and uh, and Bruce, and he's he's fantastic. But I kind of, I, I seem to find that my, my energy 
towards that uh, towards the whole business type thing and where mm. I told him about where we were going and this that and the other and he he came out of it and he with the podcast finished actually he went Jody I'm so rolled up to just do something with my yeah, life yeah, and yeah. he was like he was like I just want to get out and do something you know and I was like well that's great you know and I think the only thing that you have to think about then is you've got kids, you've got a house, you've got course, mortgage and this and the other. But I was lucky enough at the time I didn't have anything. And I think there's mm. obviously, as you get older, there's certain factors that come into it that you have to consider. For me at the time, I was just like, right, I'm just going to do it. And I still think I'll always maintain that sort of mentality, you know. And if, if you don't take risks, it's not going to come, you know. Of course. Fortune favours the brave and you just got to do it sometimes. And, and that's what it's about. Do you think it'll always be bikes? Um I think the Thornton 100 brand can carry a lot of stuff. Mm. I think Thornton 100 can carry merchandise. I think it can carry the parts. I think it can carry bikes. I think it can carry a cafe chain, perhaps a yeah, steak yeah. bar yeah. and grill chain. It could potentially carry accessories, you know, wallets mm -hmm. and watches and, sure. you know, this, that and the other. So I think it would uh, turn into a lifestyle brand. I think we're making it cool, you know, but I think there's no reason why Thornton 100 couldn't be the next Bellstaff or Barber or, you know, could, we could go into making riding kit and, they, I don't know, something terrible goes wrong and they all just kind of fall off the face of the planet and Thornton 100's right there, because it will be. We'll be right there, straight in, you know, and uh, jumping at every single opportunity that we can get, really. And uh, hopefully if we just keep doing that, we'll grow it. And I want Thornton 100 to be one of the biggest, most recognisable bike brands in the world. And I've still got, if you ask me, a lifetime to do it. Um, and as yeah. long as I don't get it wrong, you know, I think we'll be all right, you know. And uh, we're doing it for five years and if I can do it for another, I don't know, 50 years, then that would be fantastic. Yeah. So. Now, I mean, thinking about the future, Amy and I, before we started recording, we were talking about electrification of bikes, weren't yes, we? Yes, I wanted to ask about this. So with, obviously, when you've got a motorcycle, two wheels, an engine, with forks, it, it's something that we, we've understood what it looks like since motorbikes were first designed. When it comes to electric motorcycles, surely that's going to change the way that you look at design of bike or customization because suddenly you've got this big block in the middle. You've got the, the basic form of motorcycle still, but it's very different to what we're used to looking at now. Is that something you've thought about how you to start customising electric bikes? Is that something I take it you will end up going into, but I'm, I'm assuming here. What, what's, what's your thoughts around this? Absolutely, we'll have to go into uh, electric motorcycle manufacturing. You know, at some point I want to, you know, um, we're doing as much as we can um, to be environmentally conscious, you know, anyway, you know, we've got big recycling bins. We literally separate everything that gets done. All of our prototyping is done in recyclable PLA, you know, and we're trying to do as much, even to the bottles of water, you know, and these bottles and cans of water now that are like literally recyclable, like cardboard cartons and stuff like that. We're trying to do, um, so I think electrification is going to come anyway and it's kind of bringing its way into, working its way in. It's interesting, I've literally had this conversation quite a few times because I think as battery technology in, in improves, I don't think we're going to have a big block um, in the middle of something. You know, mm -hmm. I, I think we'll still have two wheels and a set of handlebars um, with brakes on. And I think, and a motor, and I think that's just about where it ends, really, as, as to what I think a, a, an electric motorcycle should look like, really, because it doesn't need a fuel tank. Yeah. It doesn't need, <clears throat> you know, wh whatever it is. that It doesn't need exhaust, you know, it doesn't need any heat management. It doesn't need loads of electronics, it doesn't need all the kind of things. So I think as it, as it, as it sort of, um, as it moves on, I don't think we'll need that. I think we'll, at the end of the day, you need a set handlebars here. You need seats set on. You need your foot pegs in the right place, and and the wheels in the right place, and everything in between is completely open to anyone's interpretation exactly, as to what yeah. it could be, That's because it's it doesn't need to be that. You know, it doesn't need to be a conventional motorcycle anyway. So, I think if we do go down that route of we say for some reason we create a our own electric motorcycle, I don't I don't think it needs to look particularly like, like a motorcycle as long as everything's in the right place. Mm -hmm. it, and you could and and you know it's exciting because. It, you're not tied into a conventional motorcycle design. You don't need it at all. You know, you could, it could be it could be a big open gap. So much you know? less work as well. Like if you think of of a lot of the work that we do, like 
look, you've got two out there. You know, two massive engine superchargers. Um, all the mechanics and and all the engineering that's gone into, you know, housing of brackets and plumbing and wiring and all that. All that's gone. It's gone. It's exactly. gone. Yeah. So all we have to do is make something really sexy. Yeah. And that handles really well. Yeah, that's exactly you know I mean? it. You know, and it, you know, it doesn't so need to conform. I, I'm up for like, I, I quite, <clears throat> you know, a lot of people poo-poo electric bikes, but I, I enjoy them. You know what I mean? I, I think no one's come out with a sexy one yet. I think Harley. They've had uh, a go. That, 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 <laughs> that's, that's nice. The, the, have you ridden it yet? Yeah. It's, it's fantastic <laughs> ride. The only thing is you hit the brakes and you're just like, this thing is so heavy because yeah. it's so yeah, fast. Yeah. You literally point, if you point at the, at the, at the shed over there <laughs> and you just open the throttle, you're there. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. Jesus Christ. And you yeah. got to hammer the brakes and it's got great brakes on it, but they're not good enough for yeah. the weight of that bike. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that, that bike's not a sport bike. And you can put the best suspension, best brakes, best tires on it. But because of the mass of that bike, you'll never do, you know what I mean? You won't be able to ride it like it's a super bike. And yeah. You know what I mean? So it's always going to have that tendency to you hammer the front brake, it's the front end's gonna wash out, you know, because of the weight inertia of of that bike. But but I think as like as you say, the battery technology is gonna get better, you know, the power plant's gonna get smaller, you know, and, and there's a few companies making sexy, you know, drivetrain units at the moment or developing them. So I think I think it's an interesting time, you know what I mean? I I'm not saying I'm full electric, but you know, I love to play in that space and, and like I said before, I kind of like I'll do anything, you know. If it's new to me, I'm like, yeah, I'll have a go at that. Yeah. I'll do something cool, you know what I mean? So it's interesting what you say about we're not quite there with electric, and we we get to see a hybrid bike, you know, yeah, yeah. Mm. something with a little 600 cc engine with a little 50 horsepower little electric motor backing it you up. Just you whip know, around London on the electric and then yeah. get it out on the that's road. That's it, and just you know. That's it, it. and uh, you know, I think Triumph's sort of um, render of the T1 that they sort of were, were sort of flirted with the idea uh, a few months ago. You know, yeah, that what, came out, and that I think they're. And Does it have a Williams sticker on the side of that power plant? What's that? Sorry, was it? Was, is, is that the picture that they posted? It's literally tiniest little motor like that. Yeah, it's like I a little box. I and think it, it, it weighed say like, Williams on it. Uh, yeah, I think they're it working with Williams on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah. literally that engine was putting out like 160 or 180 horsepower, something mm. like that. I can't remember the exact weight, but it was something silly. It was only like with 100 percent torque. It was like 20 or, kilos, yeah. something like this. Like oh, 10 wow. or 20 kilos. This engine, it was just horrendous. You know, it's just yeah. this thing. You know, but um, it's an interesting thing going looking at electric motors. You know, because the, the torque and that is essentially you can't you can't work your way around physics and the the, phys the the physical size of a motor is the bigger it is is the more powerful it's going to be because you mm. have more leverage it's like gearing you know yeah, yeah. um i don't think you're never going to accept you're never going to escape that you know no, so packaging is going to be an interesting thing and seeing how fast you can make bikes um but i think like you say it's all to do with battery technology it's all yeah, to do yeah. with um, power management um mm. i think it, you know if, if we can superconducting cables and stuff like that but you know by the time you start running that much power through things you're going to start interfering with other stuff and yeah, interfering yeah. with CAN bus signals and interfering with you know everything that's that's running there. He, I met a guy once that, that literally his job was to wire cars, but he was his job was to deal with the interference between everything. Yeah, yeah. Everything wow, has to be twisted. Yeah, everything yeah. has to be sheathed. Everything has to be the correct everything, so you don't get noise on interference or things that start making other things go wild. So I think we have interesting mechanical and hot. Yeah, well, Canvas when Canvas yeah. came out, or well, actually. You're 25, so you probably started <laughs> no building. We started building bikes. No with idea. Canvas. I kind of had to learn, like, because we everything we built up until 2000 more, because I was still building Harleys until like 2016. Um, but like Harley was all um, like analog, so to say, um, non canvas up until 2013, 14. They started putting on Dynas, and we bought a Dyna for a client. 
and he was a good client. Um, and so we bought this bike and bought all these parts and, and got everything in-house before we started the build. And I tear off the, hand, the, the handlebars and I open up the switch housing and it's just a, a little pad <laughs> with buttons. I'm just like, oh, there's a circuit in it. What's, what am I going to do with this? Yeah. <laughs> so half the parts I bought wouldn't work. So literally we had to figure out how – a friend of mine, I used to build super yachts and he, it was, he's an electrical engineer and I used to work with him all the time. And so I gave it to him and he literally custom built like switch housings out of the – the original ones, um, kind of sunk them into like a little um, little tray, and you know that um, uh, you know that resin you put potting, in the back of the uh, compound, yeah, and you yeah. literally back it, yeah, yeah. So so literally, we kind of drilled out all the where the buttons went in yeah. the in the <laughs> in the switch pad, yeah. and, and fed in a wire, and he soldered it all up, and then literally. We sealed those up, put them under the seat, and ran wires from those up to the front of the bug. It's an and interesting uh, process, like mad. you say, because um, the CAN bus is now. Sorry, well, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know much about um, Triumphs because I haven't. I've never. I've never built a Triumph. Um, uh, but with Harley's, with CAN bus, they have now an emulator. So, for example, if you're going to change um, a part, an indicator, or, or or something like that, it doesn't. You you have a little box where you kind of wire things into the box, and then it goes. So you kind of you don't you don't have to like go into redo, the, redo all yeah. the wiring go into the ECU and go all into that. ECU yeah um, so it's an interesting one because I've I've done that I've done all of that you know and and the the goal is to make the bike think that it's completely standard yeah, yeah. you know <laughs> think that it's standard because that way you can maintain all of your sensors you can maintain all of your traction control yeah. your ABS your all of your anti wheelie everything like that it's just a case of extending and repackaging but you can't always extend because sometimes you extend wires are on that speed triple RS we extended and chopped and changed. And then all of a sudden the resistance values are all different. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's you get into change. the case of getting a standard loom, measuring the resistance, oh, wow. shortening your loom, wiring in resistors to get your wires to the correct resistance all the way along. <laughs> that. And um, so it's either go down that route. And I struggled really a lot with my my bobber outside my world's fastest bobber because we, we actually had it running at the power that it's at on a standard ECU. And we had it running wow. uh, on completely standard engine management. And... Uh, we basically fooled it and made mm -hmm. it think it was doing something else and it wasn't, um, which is very difficult to do and not very reliable um, because every now and then these triumphs are so clever that, that, you know, if it sees a wheel speed, it doesn't like it sees an engine speed. Mm -hmm. It goes, hold on, why are you doing 120 mile an hour in third gear? You know, sometimes yeah. it will go, nope. And uh, I actually spoke to one of the um, chief engineers actually on the Bobber project and he went, yeah, it won't, it won't let you do that. There's, mm -hmm. there's a, there's a hierarchy of fail safes built in. Course, yeah. If it doesn't see something you'll like, it will drop you down to another power level. If it doesn't see something you like, it will just yeah. cut you off or go in limp mode or this and the other um and there's a big chain of events that will happen so my barber um has complete standalone ecu um complete standalone wow. digital dash we yeah, yeah. wrote everything for it um it's completely custom um and you're still so, able to keep things like traction control if you want to so or? we're able to keep traction control i don't run it with traction control at the moment we yeah. started developing it um and traction control control is just it's quite simple is 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 you see a you see a wheel speed at the front, you see wheel speed at the mm -hmm. back, and that's done with a Hall effect sensor and a, an ABS ring with a, with a, a pulsar ring, um, which is just sends an electrical signal. And then your EC will read those signals, and they'll know, right, this one's spinning it this fast, this mm -hmm. one's spinning this fast. If I will allow a discrepancy of 5%, 3%, you know, and you can have different traction control modes um, that we can write into this as well. And, um, and, and that's pretty simple to do. And it's the same with anti-wheelie as well. And... Having something like that on on the bike, the, that type of electronic is great because th there is no limit as to how crazy you can go. We're actually developing an app right now, the world's fastest bobber app. So I can <laughs> nice. sit here on my phone, I can pull my phone out right now, turn the bike on, 
and uh, look at it out there, turn the ignition on, and then uh, start it up on my app, and then I'll have a slider bar like this, and I can literally engage launch control and have it sat there spitting flames using the <laughs> slider bar on my phone, you know, and that's all just done through Bluetooth, and it's done, you know, and that's just done through another, for an app, you know, writing a pretty simple app. Yeah. Um, and you would never be able to do it with standard electronics. You no, know? And now we've got this, and I've got, I work with a very, 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 wildly clever electronics engineer you know two different guys actually one just literally writes software and another one is mm. physical um and i just kind of say i want this and i want that you know yeah. and kind of we all kind of come together and create these, these this crazy idea that we can just that we just do it so yeah it, it, can bus is a, is a nightmare on a standard bike but can be a blessing because there's no there's no limit as to how crazy you can go with when you get it completely sure. custom like it is on my bike yeah. Love it. the future sounds quite exciting be that electrification i mean i personally I hope that certainly for bikes, the, the petrol engines stick around just for a little bit longer. I don't. I, don't I, I honestly don't think they're going anywhere. I think. I yeah. think electric bikes are just going to be another thing that we do. I think so you too. Know? But then I also think that of all the things that can be electrified, the little toys, as we like to think of them, the bikes, it kind of works. Like I do see the value in electric motorcycles. I've not done a lot of riding on electric motorcycles at all yet, but the ones I have ridden, I've thought. I can kind of see why this is fun. And I don't know, maybe that's that initial, like, this is new and exciting and fun. Like, the first time you drive a Tesla, you go, oh, this is fun and exciting. Then you drive one around for about 20,000 miles, you go, oh, it's actually a bit rubbish. <laughs> Off-road's quite good because, you know, when, it, when, you're, when you're in the, in the forest, yeah. you're, not, you're not pissing people off. The, yeah, the biggest yeah. thing with, uh, like, in Spain, Horse, we ride yeah. all the time, and we're always pissing off somebody. They call the police police you up and then you get chased through the woods and you know if they catch you they take your bike yeah. you know what i mean especially if you're riding on a non because there's only a certain section you're allowed to ride on we always ride the fire cuts and yeah. all the fun stuff um so if they catch you you know you lose your bike and it's, it's, it's a nightmare but um and like i don't know what it's like i haven't ridden much enduro here but i know like if you green lane there's a lot of people that get pissed off especially when you got yeah. you know you're on, yeah, you're on 300 two stroke yeah. Yeah. you know just pinned and it, yeah. you know you're gonna get people to get pissed off it's the noise i think that you have no you're, noise you're, and it's, it's yeah you're not, you're not you're not upsetting all the, the wildlife as well yeah okay i think there's a little bit of danger there where you come around a corner silently <laughs> and you've got like five hikers walking yeah. around the corner you're coming around you know, sideways family on an early morning but um but but other than that like i was just out in saint tropez riding um a racing um ride cakes you know those you know swedish mm -hmm. um electric bikes mm. and uh and we had an absolute blast and it was like okay they're, they're i think they've got a long way to go um but you know the the the, the concept is is fantastic and i think they're you know i haven't ridden the the surons yet have you seen the surons i've seen the surons yeah I, uh... i've sat on one my buddy's kind of an importer of them and, and i think i think they, they look fun I'm yet to really, uh, I've ridden a live wire um, not very far, um, just up and down the street, and I'm yet to really sort of experience a long time on an electric bike. It'd mm. be an interesting thing. I always looked at the KTM E3 ride and went, that looks great, but I was never too impressed with the power figures yeah, or yeah, the yeah. You know, power to weight. It was just like, hmm, you know. Um, but yeah, I think something like it, like they say, the cake, which is just stripped back bare bones, and like you say, it doesn't, it doesn't look like a motorbike. bike. Yeah, but at yeah. the end of the day, it's, it's still kind of, like It's one. kind of yeah. in between, it's in yeah. between like, what I found with that is the front wheel washed out every like because we were we were up in this in this vineyard it was, it was amazing out in the woods and but it was really dry and it was really kind of you come into a corner it's a little bit sandy a little silty and kind of you you, you gotta 
it's it's almost like the the front end wanted to wash out on every corner, so you just kind of had to adapt your style to and just cane it in corners and just kind of drift it around and yeah. ride it kind of motocross style. Yeah. Um, and you got you got, really got used to it. But like you go you go near a jump and you just pin it and you just like the thing. It it was the first time you hit the jump, you're kind of you you suck. You know what I mean? Because you get you get scared and you don't you don't know how it's going to react. So the second time you you hit it and you kind of like suck as well but you go a bit further and then the third time you're like okay now i've got it and you get over the tabletop and yeah. land on the other side but it's it's kind of a new learning process because it's you know with with engine you know where you are yeah. you know where the engine's revving you know where the gears are you know what i mean you can kind of tell how your wheel's spinning in the air yeah. and you can you know if you and plus you don't have a foot brake mm -hmm. so that that at first i was like you're trying to find the foot brake and you're like, it's not there. And you're like, you sh overshoot a corner, yeah. you stack it into some trees or something. You know what I mean? But then once like you, a bicycle, really. But, yeah, but then once you get used to it, I quite, I really like the, the, the back brake on my left hand. You yeah. know what I mean? Because then you, you, then you're like, like a kid again. You, yeah. you just you yeah, picture yourself course, locking course. up your back wheel yeah. at every corner. You could turn and so you kind of, you kind of got like the motorbike power. But you've got this electric, like this bicycle kind of style of riding. Yeah. So it's it was it was really interesting riding those cakes. We we had an absolute blast. Yeah. But um. But I'd love be, to have a go on one. Yeah. Cakes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah. Now I mean we sadly we are, we are bound as ever by the con constraints of time. But before we wrap things up, I think it'd be nice to. Obviously, I'm, I'm sure if you haven't done so already, dear listener, um please do check out the Thoughts on 100 Instagram feed because that's that for me is a great go-to just to see the products that are out there, some really, really incredible bikes. And there may be some people that have already done so, and there may be a question that they, that is now humming around in people's heads, which is, how much is one of these things going to cost me? <laughs> now, I know this, I, before uh, before I put you on too much of an awkward spot, I know that this is almost an impossible question to answer because, of course, everything's going to be different. It depends on the build, it depends on the time. But considering, you know, we can all Google how much Triumph new Triumph costs, mm -hmm. and if it's a bobber or a Thruxton R or an RS or whatever it may be, is there a ballpark figure that people need to be ready to have in their account? Or, yeah, or absolutely. Ready to absolutely there is. You know, I think I think the average spend for one of my customers is probably thirty three or 34000 you know, and that for that, you know, you can get into a Scrambler or a wide wheel bobber or a T120 or a Thruxton quite comfortably, you mm -hmm. know, and, and, and I think, you know, starting at 30,000 kind of thing is, is a good sort of uh, idea, you know, and, and they could go, the sky's the limit, you know, if you want Cartier watching the, <laughs> in the <laughs> sunk into the tank or whatever, you know, it's fine. That's great. I'll do it. You know, that sounds fantastic. Um, but, you know, I think, yeah, I think, you know, looking at the early thirties, you know, moving on for 40 by the time you've really specced up and you've, you're supercharged and your Olins and your Brembos sure. and you're this and the other, but out the, out the, uh, at the factory, I was the standard bobbin out locking on 12 grand, something yeah. like that, yeah. you know? So, um, we're around about double and then a bit, you know, and that, that's, that's sort of, sort of obviously includes the bike, um, yeah. all of our development time and that you really do get something completely individual and, and a bike that is a usable custom. You jump on, press the button and go. And it starts absolutely every time. Um, Joe's supercharged bobble, which was one of the very first ones I did. It's done 5,000 miles now. And he jumps on that. And Joe, bless him. Uh, I hope he's not listening, but he has absolutely no mechanical sympathy whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> um, a video, honestly, I unloaded that bike and it was cold. And he sat there and went, oh, it sounds all right, doesn't it? Oh, oh, God, no, no, no. And I was sat there looking at this poor thing like, 
<laughs> oh, I'm sorry yeah. I've given you this point. This I'm looking at this bike like I'm so I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> yeah. My child. Uh, so, um, the creations is almost like a bit of you is they are. Do you ever get babies. attached to one? That yeah, I would never away? really. I would. I wouldn't if I could afford it. I wouldn't get rid of any of them. You mm. know, because they are just the bikes that I think are cool. They yeah. come out of my head, and uh, yeah, um, I do get. I get attached to more some of them than I do the of other course. ones. You know, and. Um, but yeah, I, I love all the things that I do. But um, but yeah, they're all they're all individual and they're all different, you know. So that's that's what I like about it. And that's what keeps it exciting as well. New challenges all the time, and trying to constantly innovate is is great. Absolutely. Well, I think we'd be crazy, and I'd be crazy if I didn't ask, knowing that especially you're going to be having a new premises soon, setting everything up. That we maybe come along for a little visit, maybe bring Absolutely, some cameras yeah. down. Come and down, come and get involved. So when we're in the new place, hopefully by the end of the year, we were told October, but you know, COVID builders, blah blah blah. It's basically it's, we we got the we it's there the, the still works up the floors in uh, they're doing the bricks right now and then it's right. all the inside. So hopefully by the end of the year we can get you all down and there. Yeah, we can I can do you a tour and I'll show you our brand new humble abode. Can you we know, go for a little ride together? Absolutely. Cool. Yeah, let's That'd get some awesome. bikes out. We That's got our ambassador nice. bike now. I'll take the WFB out. I'm sure we'll have some. Uh, we get some Triumph bikes knocking about and. Uh, yeah, we'll go for a burn. There's some great roads around where we that'd are. Awesome. So that'd be fun. That'd be awesome. One last awesome. thing, are you coming to the Valley Mile? <gasps> yeah. Uh, that's this weekend, right? It is. Yeah. It, I could come. Yeah. I, I don't. I didn't have any plans. You know, I, I honestly live at work. Come along. <laughs> I actually. I, it's an interesting one because um, a lot of people ask me. You know, are you? You know, I'm, and I was never really involved in the scene. Motorbike yeah, scene, of course. You know, and I'm, I'm very much kind of taking a business stance from it. You know, mm. and um, it's an interesting one. You know, but uh, yeah, if I can get down Sunday, it's Sunday, I'll probably come down Sunday. I can jump on that bike. I know it's good for fifty miles now so i've ridden it all the way here so yeah i'm sure it'll make it down there and back so yeah new premises now as well isn't it? yeah yeah it should be fun yeah be good. yeah i'll get involved wicked brilliant well jody thank you so much uh, for joining us today as i say i urge you the listener if you want to see if you've been listening to this and thinking i just need to see more of it obviously the instagram feed is probably the great place to start just look out for thornton 100 on there there is a fantastic youtube channel worth checking out as well lots of uh, lots more of jody there you can see him over the years progressing in his confidence in front of a camera which is always lovely to see Um, and I guess you know I I have a really strong feeling that the best is yet to come here I think uh, what you've started is just so incredible and so impressive and I really do think it's going to be better so I, I, I look forward to just watching over the years and maybe if I can start earning some proper money I'll come and be a customer of yours as well thank you so much thank you for having me as well guys it's good it's been a pleasure to be on and uh, yeah hopefully we can just keep our heads down and keep moving on and growing the business and uh, yeah That's reach it. the stars there you yeah. go there you go thank you Jodie Amy thank you very much thank you and thank you for joining us for this little cameo no problem. episode it's thank been you. lovely it's having been, you it's been good to be here especially like it just all happened organically that yeah. there's yeah. A, a bike guy coming down to talk so it's, it's good it's all good. And of course, thank you to you, the listener, very, very much. Sorry for, for the two wheel takeover. Two wheel takeover. <laughs> but I think, you know, occasionally that's okay. That's okay. But what I'll say, perhaps now is a good time to maybe dangle a, a slight carrot for our two wheeled listening fans. Is there is a slightly large potential possibility, let's see how vague, yet yeah, not on vague I can keep this, <laughs> that there may be some more two wheeled content coming from the Driven Chat production team? Um, maybe, maybe watch Ish. this space because if if the content is is desired, we will make it. We have uh, we have recorded a pilot episode for a motorcycle based podcast under very a very very similar format, um, and I guess it's down to you, the listener, if you are keen and if you think that's something you want to hear more of. Well, send a message. Send us a message. Comment. Yeah. Tell tell people what you think. If if you exactly. want more bikes, then we shall provide. Yeah. Just yeah, a little comment on our latest instagram feed that just says more bikes please 
and we'll, we'll give you more bikes. And I like doing this because, of course, in 12 years' time, we'll look back at it. Why is somebody saying more? Oh, because they're catching up 12 years ago. Right. <laughs> so there we go. Thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode. Jody, thank you. Amy, thank you. Ant, thank you. And thank you, the listener. We will speak to you again next week. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Oh, wow. You've made it to the end. The very end. And it's John Markar here again, reminding you that this podcast, the Driven Chat podcast, has now run its course and has come to an end. To find the new format, search the Driven podcast in your preferred podcast app or head on over to the website driven.site to find some quick and easy links through to the new episodes in the new formats on your preferred apps. Thanks. Bye.